I created this world through the power of my will. Why have you come here? No, 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 no. The whole thing's ridiculous. You never quite know what you're going to get. Wibbly Wobbly Dicey Wicey, the Doctor Who RPG podcast, where we talk about Doctor Who's role-playing games past, present and future. And with me today, we have the... well, he's still alive, so he's not legendary in the technical sense, but in terms of Doctor Who role-playing annals, he's a legend that is Dave Chapman. Hello. Hi there. <laughs> so, for those of you unaware, Dave Chapman is the Omega of the Vortex system. He created it. Um, and he's the <laughs> The head writer of Doctor Who role-playing? Uh, yes, off and on, and, and currently line developer, yeah. So, yeah, so what, what is your official title? As of about uh, a couple of months ago, I'm now, I'm now line developer for, for Doctor Who. But, uh, but yeah, I was uh, technically lead writer and game designer for, for the um, Vortex version, yeah. Okay, well, if you want to you know, start calling yourself the, uh, the Lord Omega of the Vortex system... <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have that printed on, on business cards right now. I think that would be great. <laughs> first of all, how are you? Okay, plodding along, as they say. <laughs> I think the obligatory first question in any any interview right now is, how are you coping with the lockdown? How are you coping with the quarantine, etc.? Uh, it's been it's been okay. I mean, I work in retail uh, as a day job, um, and so this is, I think, my ninth or tenth week of not being there, which is really really quite surreal um but it's meant i've had plenty of time to do some writing which has been great um i go back to the day job next week so yeah kind of slightly apprehensive about it all but you know you know we'll, we'll, we'll get through we'll get through <laughs> please say hello to the outside world for me because it's been a while for me as well so <laughs> has this affected cubicle seven at all um, i mean obviously it's affected it but in what way from from what i can tell uh they're mostly working from home. Um, they have a minimal staff in at the offices. Um, but from what I could tell last time I spoke to Dominic McDowell, was they, they had like two or three people in, um, so they could all be on different floors. Because uh, so, the corridors are quite narrow. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, most people are working from home at the moment. And, and yeah, it seems to be working fine. Everything's well, progressing nicely. It wouldn't involve Doctor Who if there were corridors somewhere along the way. <laughs> Lots of that. <laughs> so, moving on to the, the Vortex system itself. Now, as it's your your brainchild, first of all, I was just curious, was it ever called anything else? And what was the initial inspiration for the Vortex system? Uh, okay. Uh, as to whether it was ever called, going to be called anything else, we had this... Before, before it got nicknamed... We kind of nicknamed it Vortex when we were working on it because um, we were fans of uh, another RPG system called Cortex, uh, which which is very cool um, and uh, is making a, a revamp very very soon as well, which which is very good. Which was a system that was used for um, Leverage, uh, Firefly, uh, Supernatural, Smallville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. love that right. system great system love it love it um and because because that existed and we thought oh yeah <laughs> well, vortex that'd be funny wouldn't it and then we thought no we can't use that because it's a bit close to cortex isn't it um and then when a primeval came out because primeval was originally um saturday evening tea time tv 
as well. We had sort of mulled about calling it something to do with Saturday tea time system or something like that. We just couldn't get the right words for it. And, and Vortex just kind of stuck with it. So that was quite nice in the end. So, so yeah, 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 we're quite happy with it. Uh, obviously, the game was initially uh, Doctor Who Adventures in Time and Space. Mm-hmm. And it's latterly become the Doctor Who role-playing game. Yes, yeah. Uh, two things. What prompted the name change? And what has changed, if you can recall, what changed from the very first draft of the role-playing system, of, of the Vortex system? You know, Any big changes that you can recall or any tiny tweaks there? <laughs> Um, I think the change in the name was when we first were bringing it out, we kind of wanted to make it more of a, um, a generic game that everybody could pick up rather than it saying on the front, it's a role-playing game, it's Dungeons and Dragons basically, so we kind of marketed it as a, his, a game that's more about the adventure than it is about tabletop role-playing just to try and get it into more markets basically and then when Cubicle 7 started doing uh, those dice game and things like that and the card game and things like that they wanted to make sure that they could keep so that when you went into a shop and you saw them there you knew exactly what you were getting you one was a card game one was a dice game and one's a role-playing game so then the name name changed to role-playing game and and let's face it recently with the with the resurgence of interest in role-playing games with things like Critical Role and things like that, it's not something to hide anymore. It's it, it's a, it's something to be to be promoted and celebrated. So geeks taking over the world has yeah, actually yeah. kind of prompted the name change in many ways. <laughs> exactly. Um, as as for how the actual game system changed, ooh, that, that is a tricky one. Um, when, when I first started working on the very first edition of it, uh, Keyboard 7 kind of, they they, <laughs> they kind of just said, go on, go, go write it, and left me to it for a couple of months. And that was it, I was kind of isolated from the outside world, sat there, typing away. Um, and so a lot of the tweaks and things that came to it came from um, playtesting. Um, we had very big playtest group for the first edition and a lot of the feedback that came back from it um, really really bashed it into shape uh, I think um, the um, yes but yes and sort of system came from um, playtesting uh, and parts of the um, initiative system that everybody really likes actually came from from um, bashing around ideas with playtesters which was and that, and that seemed to have gone down really well a friend of mine who's also a podcaster he was involved in the playtesting mm. and he said it was really good fun seeing it become Doctor Who basically yeah oh yeah the, the initiative system is one of the key elements of making it Doctor Who it's a very very good innovation brilliant in fact excellent, um, excellent. <laughs> talking about the evolution of the game now obviously mm. there have been previous systems of Doctor Who Faster and, and Time Lord from yes option. was there any deliberate imperative to change things from those systems because obviously the, the FASA system from the 80s was pretty much the Star Trek system from FASA with some tweaks Yeah. and Time Lord was the extreme other end of it that had no crunch at all really <laughs> and I just wondered was there an attempt to find a middle ground or did you look at those systems and think you know no to this bit no to that bit yes to that bit anything you know how does it influence you? 
if at all. Did, did, did have um, a, an intense period of rereading those before starting work. Um, I must admit, I've never played Time Lord. I do have it, but I've ne- never actually played it. I think um, that's true for a lot of people in the world, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. I must admit, I, there, there was a bit in there that really stood out as being quite cool, which was the suggestion that he used um, beer mats and for, for working out positions and things like that. Like, wow, this is designed for people playing in a pub. That's bizarre. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that was good. Um, but fast for the one that I, I do remember playing, um, it was, I, I played that back in the back in the 80s. Um, my old GM um, was the guy who got me into watching Doctor Who, really. And he was a big fan of the um, Hinchcliffe and Holmes sort of era. And he was also our Call of Cthulhu GM as well. So there was a real... It, it went, When we played Doctor Who, it was really just um, Call of Cthulhu with with Doctor Who monsters, so it was really quite spooky and, and sort of Victorian era stalking around with, with flashlights in the in sewers and stuff like that. So yeah, that was that was great. Um, as for actual bits from the fascine, I don't think we're really I, I don't think I pinched anything from there at all really. There was it's it it's too it there was an awful lot of combat mm. in there and then they introduced big elements that weren't canon anyway that we couldn't really touch so yeah <laughs> okay so so basically it was an influence in so much as it was a precursor but that's about yes. it yeah yeah so one of the most fascinating elements of the vortex system specifically with doctor who but with with all iterations of it are, are the traits mm-hmm. and i was curious to know how did you decide what traits were left in and were there any left out? Did you have any on the cutting room floor? Any any traits that you thought, no, that's a bit silly, or you know, that's too powerful, or? I, it's it's an odd one because um, the the trait system is really just a way to try and make the characters more individual and give them give you some more per- perks for spending per- points on other things. Um, and I must admit. Okay, this is where it's going to get controversial. Um, well, I think we're going to get onto traits in a in a different light later on in the interview. I feel. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, as for ones I, I've, I've missed, or uh, I don't know. It's it's odd because there's so many supplements, and then that add more and more traits in into the mix. That I, I guess you could really just have a whole book which is just listing all the various traits and things like that. But. Um, but yeah, it does it does bog it down a little bit sometimes. So you can't there there are no none that you sort of left out that you thought of, wrote down, and then thought no, we won't use that. Not that I can remember anyway. This is going back a long way. <laughs> yeah, no, sure, I appreciate that. But again, you know, the, the the system has expanded so wonderfully over the years. I mean, now there is there. Are, I mean, there are twelve source books on the Doctors alone, and each one of them has at least what a dozen new traits in each one at oh, least ballpark. Yeah. So. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Given you know that this is this is uh, your uh, baby, as it were. What kind of RPG books do you prefer writing? And by that I mean, do you like do you, do you like engaging with the system, the rules? Are you a a? Um, <laughs> I nearly said, are oh, you a fluff man there, but that can be context. <laughs> um, do you like the source book, the background material, the research? You know, the scenarios. What what's your favourite element of, of constructing a role playing system? 
I'm, I'm definitely a systems person. I, I love doing the systems um, and trying to make them kind of work for the game it's designed for, for the setting it's designed for. Um, but yeah, I, I do kind of really get quite carried away with, with working out game systems. I don't mind the, um, the fluff and background material. Um, but I'm terrible at adventure writing. I just never can come up with any good adventures. So that bit, I usually get somebody else to get involved with. <laughs> One of the strengths of the Vortex system is it captures the atmosphere of Dog 2 really well. And it's 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 the, um, if you'll forgive the compliment, it's the contrast between putting the intellect first and making the game very interesting to run, despite the fact that most role-playing games have a fairly comprehensive combat system. And that seems to be the, the forefront of it. How you fight seems to be the main thing. And in Doctor Who, it's the opposite. You've inverted that. And the initiative system feeds into that. And so, did you... Uh, I mean, I suppose this is maybe an obvious question, but did, did you watch, like, a lot of Doctor Who and then write down, OK, this kind of thing. This is a Doctor Who trope. This happens in Doctor Who. So the system needs to reflect this. And this is a constant in Doctor Who, and it needs to reflect this. Or was it just, you know Doctor Who so well... Uh, if only. No, no I, I don't think I've got that encyclopedic knowledge. Um, I do remember going through the episodes and trying to work out what the key themes were in each one, um, certainly for Modern Who, because um, back when we first got the licence, we could only really deal with everything from um, the Eccleston onwards. We couldn't really touch uh, classic until a lot later on when the, the license expanded a bit, which was nice. Um, so yeah, it was really a case of just going through the episodes and seeing what the, what the general themes are, what sort of things happen in them, uh, and trying to work out a lot of the traits, for example, came from just analysing what the characters were like, especially the companions, and working out what they needed to kind of reflect what they did in the series so you must have paid a lot of attention to well pc slash pc slash npc balance because it's very easy to make the doctor a god in the game and have yes. to dominate everything so giving the story point mechanic i assume was your key factor in balancing that out yes definitely um luckily um one of the games i worked on before doctor who was buffy um which had um a similar problem uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say problem because they dealt with it in a very similar, but very um, slick way as well. Which was because you have one character who can kick people through walls, and who are followed around by the Scooby Gang, who really can't do an awful lot and, unless they want to go into the, the magic sort of or weird power stuff. Um, so yeah, you, you, you're trying to balance out having one person who can who can do everything. Though thankfully, in Doctor Who, instead of it being quite such a sending in the fighting machine first, who's the super-powered um, beat-up person, it, it's the it's the intellectual power instead. Um, so that that works out a little bit easier. I mean, I suppose in a TV show, if there's a necessary power imbalance between the the characters, you just give the less powered ones more screen time. And they can engage in other things. And in a role-playing game, they need, people need to be a bit more active, so the mechanics need to support that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and and try, try and get the, um, the GM to, to focus more on the, on the companions. So, uh, quite a specific question now. Um, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> you, you, may, you may or may not be able to answer this, I don't know, but, but how is the 13th Doctor working out for you? And has work on 
anything to do with her being on here? Uh, how it's working out for me. Um, I must admit, I love the series. I, I have, I, I definitely love the love Jodie's series um, and and the companions as well. They're fantastic. I must admit, when they when they announced Bradley Walsh, I had that seriously. But then I then I, I remembered back to Catherine Tate when they announced Catherine Tate. It was that no no she's 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 not the right sort of choice for the panic and she was brilliant. And Bradley Walsh has been exactly the same. It's that no I can't see it. Him as a companion as well. He's been he's really been like the heart of the team, which has been really good. And yeah, I've I've loved the stories as well. They've they've really nicely um, kind of gone back to its roots as being almost historical and educational which has been great um and yeah yeah loving the series as for work on 13th doctor stuff i don't know how much i can say um there is can you confirm that work has begun on it yet yes work work has begun on it and has been working on it for for a while um i think uh it is a revision of the system it's not very different, um, and it, everything that you already have is completely compatible with it. Um, but there are some nice tweaks. Let's put it that way. That you will put that I hope people will like. I can't say you'll like it, but I, I really, really hope you like it. Like it. I, I personally love the love the way that the system is evolving. Now, before in a, in a previous interview, you you intimated to me that. Uh, as you said, as you sort of said, there a, a new version of the system's coming out, <laughs> and one of the things you said to me was mm. that you were going to get rid of traits. Oh yes, yeah. So what can you tell us, without going into River Song territory? What can you tell us about the new system and how you're going to keep the uniqueness of characters by getting rid of traits? Because you said just uh, just a moment ago that traits are one of the things that help you make a character more specifically yours. Mm-hmm. Um, but but just just the record, just so please restate this just for the record, <laughs> the new system mm-hmm. will be backwards compatible with everything. Completely. Absolutely completely. I mean, yeah. I'm intrigued as to how that's going to work. Just, <laughs> stop. I look forward to it immensely. But, but yeah, so what, what can you tell us? And what's it going to be called? Um... At, at the moment, it's just under the working title of second edition at the moment. Um, that, that's it, really. Um, so I was talking to my fellow co-hosts, and we were saying, will it be version 1.5? Will it be the second regeneration? What will they call it? <laughs> I well, I suppose te- technically the. Um, you can use that if you want. We're not gonna... I was, was going to say <laughs> that the, um, the, the the version of the, the rule book that came out with the, um, the for the day of the Doctor, the uh, the uh, anniversary one, um, was under the working title of the Regeneration Edition. Edition. So I don't know. If, I suppose technically we could re- reuse that. Too. Okay, I shall suggest that. <laughs> if you just yeah, if you just put a little thank you to at Wibbly Bobbly Dicey Wise podcast, that'd be fine. <laughs> Oh, it's right in the credits page. There we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, not an awful lot I can tell you. Um, it's still early days at the moment. Um, traits have have gone, um, but the characters are suitably unique. There are some 
great mechanics for I, I did listen to your first episode and I know I remember the one of the comments in there was a bit about experience and you'll find that there is a, a particularly nice experience system in there now where you bring your experiences from pre previous um, adventures to, to help you on your way and things like that as, as well as progressing the character as well um, but um, but yeah uh, I, 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 I think you'll like it but I can't say much more I, I get it's all hush <laughs> I mean is there like a ballpark release date or a ballpark release year even uh, this year touch wood uh, well, is it, is it, <laughs> hang on hang on just so you said it so you're saying that whatever this new version is called will be out in 2020 touch wood Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. No. Touch with. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um. Uh, can I ask? And again, you may not be able to answer this, but are traits replaced by something else? Is there a new name for a new mechanic that supplants them? No. Oh. Okay. No. Oh. And he said it in a whispered voice, folks, which means it's, that's portentous. <laughs> that's portentous. Okay. This is a question I need to ask, just for me. It's a very selfish question, but where is my GM screen, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's on the list. Don't worry. I've still got one for one for the first edition up there, um, which I, I spotted on Amazon about two years ago, going for something like three hundred pounds, which I have no idea why. Uh, it still confuses me, but uh, but yes, I, I I I'll add it to the list right now. With me, I'm writing a note here on a on a post-it note saying GM screen. That's yeah, he's that's... actually literally doing that, folks. I'm looking at the video feed. He's really doing that. <laughs> So I will add that to, to the list of um, future products that I'm working out now. <laughs> so I, I've linked and missed it. It's a point of pride for me that I get all, all the Vortex stuff. And I missed that. And it's become the, the Doctor Who 12th season Blu-ray of role-playing stuff. <laughs> As in, no one realised it was going to be so rare. No one realised it was going to sell out. And suddenly it's on eBay for you know the price of a small house in some yeah. instances so that's ridiculous I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm saving it for my my retirement okay. <laughs> sell my um, I mean obviously you're going to it'll be redesigned and re-upped and it'll be for the the new version whatever it's called I take it mm -hmm. okay um, I just wondered uh, because we touched on this uh, a couple of years ago when we were talking is there a new sort of art scheme policy in place because you did say to me about not wanting to age the books anymore by putting the current doctor on the front of the book so mm. so can you tell us anything about what the new version new book new iteration is going to look like on the front because yeah. because you joked about we're just going to stick a tardis on it now because that never that will never age <laughs> um i should imagine it will have um have jody on the front at least okay um as for Anything else? I'm not sure. Not sure. I really don't know. It's still too early yet. We haven't even started discussing um, art, art styles. I've got a, cut, uh, uh, a, a cover artist in mind who has done cover work for other Doctor Who products. Um, who's a good friend of mine. Um, but as for what, who we actually go with or what sort of style, I think that's all still a way off yet. And then, of course, pending BBC approval. I mean, I, I take it as as was your policy before. Obviously, there won't be a thirteenth Doctor source book until Jodie Whittaker is regenerated. Yes, yeah, I should imagine so. I so, um, that being the case, generally speaking, how far ahead can you plan with this line, um, and with any other line you're working on, but specifically with Doctor Who first? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. We've got a couple of 
um, supplements already sort of being discussed. Uh, and I know Don was very keen to have a starter set for it. Um, I remember a, mentioning that, yeah. A, a nice um, box starter set because um, the Lone Wolf one that Cubicle 7 did was a great starter for people who wanted to get into role playing and didn't know where to start. You could just go put everything you need in here. Um, and Doctor Who's a, a, a great. In fact, that's that's where Doc, where the RPG came from to begin with was to try and get people into into the game that weren't previously in role playing. Um, so definitely, there's a, there should be a, a, a starter set somewhere down the line. Still Other got my three that, box sets on my shelf. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Uh, other than that, um, I don't know. We've got we're, we're sort of discussing stuff for, in the future, but yeah, nothing, nothing really concrete planned yet. Okay, because again, we mentioned before um, years ago about you getting a, an expansion for the license, so you could at, at least sort of whack out a tortured source book covering the TV show and a Sarah Jane adventure source book, and that seems to be one of those kind of eternal wish list things for the fans that yeah. I get are probably mired in a lot of legal stuff as well. Yeah, definitely. It, it was certainly in the um, something that we suggested to the bee when we first pitched with them. But um, it is it's it's tricky, very very tricky, especially um, yeah 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 definitely, especially towards what I think. So yeah, that that might be a bit of a bit of a, a long long way off if it ever happens. <laughs> no, no, I I, I get that because it's not on the air now as well, so it's all kinds of stuff going on. But so what's what is the next release for the Doctor RPG? Can you tell me? And has it changed because of, you know, lockdown and things like that? Uh, as far as I know, because there's the Capaldi book. Has that happened yet? That's happened. I've got that's it on the shelf. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, in that case, <laughs> in that case um, the next release will be the, the, the new edition core book with, um, for, for 13. Fantastic. Okay, great. It's crossed anyway. Fingers good. <laughs> um, so just just to wrap up and thank you so much for your time. But as a system creator, mm. and I, I asked you this once before, but I wonder if it might have changed. What would be your dream license to get if you had an unlimited budget? Well, one, if you had an unlimited budget, what would you put out for Doctor Who? And two, what would be your dream license to get if you could spend crazy money on any license? And it can be one that already exists. If you, you know, if you don't like the way it's run right now, or one that doesn't <laughs> exist, full stop. Because I know you told me you tried to get, if you tried to get Ghostbusters once mm. a long time ago, mm -hmm. um, and that didn't happen. Yeah, this, this is all news to me because I'm a massive Ghostbusters fan. So when Don said that they were trying for it in the past, I was like, "What? Why didn't you tell me? I'd have been, I'd have been on there like a like a shot because I, I, that was what that was the first game that." made me want to write RPGs. Uh, the original one or GBI? The, the original one. Yeah, I was... Uh, that system. The, um, the... Uh, God, first thing I ever submitted to a publisher was um, a RPG supplement for Ghostbusters, the original one, and it was typed as a manuscript and then posted to West End Games in New York. And then there's that three-month wait of waiting for it to come back. And, oh, boy. But, um, but yes, but get, I got such a positive response back saying, look, we've already done one that's a bit similar to that because 
foolishly I decided to go um, food orientated as, as the villains and they'd already had their ghost toasties um, adventure um, and they, they but they were so positive yeah, it's great, great. <laughs> I still love that game um, yeah. so yeah I, I, I was quite surprised with Ghostbusters okay um, going back to the original questions if I had an unlimited budget for Doctor Who <laughs> RPG um, oh blimey so, sorry, so you're saying if you had an unlimited budget, you would go for the Ghostbusters license again? Yeah, definitely Ghostbusters. Um, Bear in mind, it's probably a bit cheaper now than it was in the 80s. If I'm yeah. going to be honest, after the 2016 one flopped, you probably yeah. get it for a snip. Although that, that trailer for the new one looks awesome, doesn't it? So, oh, God. Um, but yeah. The trick is to come in now before that film comes out and it's a success. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, um, I've always said Harry Potter um, because I, I love Harry Potter. Um, although it's a bit of a contentious sub- subject at the moment with the way somebody is behaving online. Um <laughs> Um, and let's just say I have stopped following her on Twitter because she's she's that. And if if yeah, that Hermione, honestly. She says. <laughs> no, my 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 complete dream for the future, and I'm hoping Warner Brothers listens to this, is that Warner Brothers decides that they do to do a um, a Disney and um, buy the rights off of J.K. Rowling completely and take over Harry Potter and say here's a load of money. Now shut up. Uh, we'll do it properly. Um, <laughs> which would be great. That'll be what he says on the contract at this rate. Here's a load of money. <laughs> shut up. Sign please, please stop tweeting. <laughs> Forever. Um, Harry Potter would definitely be down on the list. Uh, Bond would be another one. Um, I, I loved the original Bond RPG. Um, yes. Which is just behind my head on the shelf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got mine in my archive. Yeah. <sighs> love that game um odd that, odd that there's only ever been one crack at that when you think about it yeah that's, a, that's another tricky one um i mean I know you had top secret and lots of spy games spycraft so lots of file off the serial numbers i suppose but it's it's another one of those those great ones where um i contacted beyond public um productions um to try and get there didn't get very far just like harry potter we, we got close to actually speaking to somebody at warner brothers and uh, um yeah, so I'd, I'd heard that, i'd heard that a certain someone who uh needs to calm down on twitter was very specifically against ever letting there be a role-playing game of harry potter yeah which um i have blogged about so many times on my blog um especially when you consider of video games. I mean, there's there's a great one on the phone which I am completely addicted to called Hogwarts Mystery, where you create a character, um, you're set before Harry even gets there, you go yeah. through the years, there's a whole new mystery, characters that you shouldn't really be touching because they're all characters who are, who are in the films and the books. And it's like, well, if they can do it, why can't, and, and this, is, this has got a huge reach, why can't tabletop gamers who would be creating stories that really wouldn't be going much further than their table or even to some um, live streaming stuff. But it's not canon. It's not going to affect what you've written. Why won't you let us do it? Yeah, I, I, mean, um, I, I ran a Harry Potter role-playing campaign myself. And in all honesty, she's cutting off her nose to spite her face because role-players aren't going to say, oh, there's no official system. Better not run Harry Potter role-playing games. Everyone's <laughs> just doing their own system or borrowing yeah. another one. So... Yeah. I've used the Vortex system to run a Harry Potter game. Awesome, awesome. I, I got very close to writing one for Vortex as well. I think um, as a 
possibly even better setting, I'd probably go for the magicians as well. Um, Lev Grossman's magicians, because the, 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 the books are great, and he's a role player as well. It really comes through in the books. And the TV series is just just awesome. I love that as well. And uh, a lot more politically connected. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yes, I think those would probably be the ones I'd go for. So Harry Potter and Ghostbusters and James Bond would be your... Yeah, yeah. And again, if you had unlimited budget for the Doctor Who role-playing game? I, I don't know. Or would, don't unlimited know. Ma- or would unlimited manpower be more useful to you? In this Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's odd because I, um, I did come up with some ridiculous ideas when I, when I first started working on... Uh, Star Trek Adventures with um, Modiphius. Uh, I came up with these bizarre ideas for um, ridiculous box sets like the Borg Cube, and and they went for it, which was great. And it's like, oh, I, oh, I was kidding. <laughs> and, and there it is in all its glory, and and it's and it's amazing. Um, so yeah, maybe something along those lines would be great. Although I always think when you have a big box set like that, and you you get to plug the books in. You get to the point where you just can't actually physically lift it anymore. <laughs> so what would you? So so basically, you would you would invent a box, a tardis yeah, shaped box. Yeah, a tardis box. Yeah, I know. I know. Back back when we were first discussing it, there was talk when we when we were first pitching with the original. Uh, oh, I, there's a little trivia bit. I'll show you in a second. Um, when we were first pitching with the BBC and we were starting to come up with the ideas, we were coming up with bizarre boxes that, and the books would line up so it looked like a TARDIS and there would be like dice tower so when you drop the dice in it would make the uh, materialization noises and all that kind of <laughs> stuff but uh, and then there was things about having um, uh, a, a dice tray that um, had like a, a bump in the bottom of it so that you could wave a sonic screwdriver at it and flip the dice <laughs> and it's like we're coming up with some ridiculous ideas <laughs> But yeah. Oh, um, yes. Trivia thing. Um, I don't know if you don't think you've ever would have seen that for your collection. Um, that is um, the ultimate in rarities. Uh, I think there's uh, about ten or twenty of these in existence in the world. This is the original um, pitch document that we um, sent to the BBC um, to try and get the, get the license. Um, so to actually get us in through the door, um, I wrote the first chapter. And um, we got Fred Hicks from um, Evil Hat, did all the layout and um, worked out basically what it was going to look like. So the first half of this little, how many pages, this 30 page book is um, a sample of the first chapter, which is basically what you got in the final version of it. And then the, the, the second half of it was all the exciting business proposals. And um, yeah, that was that was the reason the BBC even let us in the door. That looks that. like it's incredibly good condition. Yeah. Oh yes, it's it's in a, like a little glass case somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well done. Um, okay. Last question. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you prefer playing or GMing? Oh, now, now if you'd asked me this about 10, 15 years ago, I'd have jumped at GMing because I uh, I always used to GM. Um, when I was a teenager 
uh, although I played in other games as well, but I always always loved GMing. And then when I got back into role-playing sort of early 90s with Vampire uh, and Mage and all that kind of business, um, I did a lot of GMing for that as well and absolutely loved it and haven't GMed for a very long time now. I play an awful lot now. Um, especially thanks to the wonders of lockdown. Uh, the, the wonders of Skyping has meant that we've, I, I've been doing first edition D&D, uh, which with, with, this, with my old gaming group from 35 years ago, which has been um, an absolute blast. Uh, I'm in, also in a Changeling game and uh, Tales from the Loop game. And yeah, it's been, it's been great, but I, I'm actually really enjoying being a player. Brilliant. So, um, is there anything you'd like to plug before we go? Uh, plug? Um, stuff that isn't Cubicle 7 orientated. Uh, keep an eye open for Wild, which is my game which I've been working on for the past eight, eight years now, um, which is... Um, how best to describe it? If you think uh, Inception meets The Matrix in Neil Gaiman's Sandman, um, it's all about, intriguing, won't I? <laughs> it's, uh, it's all about uh, dream share te- technology and um, the weirdness that goes on in there. It's very inceptiony, he meets uh, Sucker Punch and all that sort of thing, and uses a tarot card resolution system. Um, but I've been working on that for many years, and a good friend of mine is publishing a starter version of it, hopefully later this year. Um, which will be sort of, which will be playable either solo or as with, with a GM. Oh, and, and who's publishing that? Uh, it's a friend of mine uh, who runs a company called uh, We Evolve, uh, and they've published a couple of games already. One called Aegean, which is um, Greek mythology one, and one called The Gaslight Club, which is uh, basically 1920s. New York, um, but it's actually Westworld. You're all playing as robots who aren't sure, uh, don't know they're robots, working in a theme park, and as you keep playing and end up stuck in the same narrative loops, you realise something's going wrong and you become self-aware and try and rebel against the hosts and escape. Intriguing. That that was great. Okay, well, Dave Chapman, thank you so much for your time. That's I hope we get to speak again. Oh, I'm uh, sure, sure we will. Later. Once there's a, another dragon meet, I should imagine I'll bump into you there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. But thank you so much, and That's, I'll speak to you soon. That's quite right. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Wibbly Wobbly Dicey YC. Please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Feel free to get in touch with any questions or suggestions for future episodes, either on Facebook, by email, wwdwrpg at gmail.com, or by Twitter, at wwdwrpg. 